My name is Rick Brenner, and I'm in the modern Turkish city of Izmir. But Izmir is built on top of ancient Smyrna, which was a magnificent city in the Roman province of Asia. Smyrna had about 100,000 people during the time of the New Testament when the church was being established here. And I'm standing in the state Agora, which was the marketplace. The city was so big it had several of these marketplaces, one near the harbor that has never been excavated, and this one which, by the way, was the largest agora, it was the largest market ever known in the entire Roman world, and it was magnificent. It had three levels, three stories. It was adorned with all kinds of sculptures and gods and idols and emperors, and it was the site of horrific persecution. Early records record for us that believers were dragged into this place, and they were killed out in the open space of the agora, as pagan spectators watched. When Jesus spoke in the book of Revelation chapter two to the church of Smyrna, he identified the fact that they were really struggling. They couldn't get jobs because they were Christians. Those who were employed had lost their jobs. They were suffering financially and many of them were dying for their faith. Jesus even warned them that they would be cast into prison, but that their troubles would be limited. It would only be for a specific period of time, and then they would come out the victors. And I want to tell you that it doesn't matter what the devil tries to do to you. In the end, you'll be the victor. If you'll stand on the Word of God, if you'll stay true to the testimony of Jesus and to the things that God has said to you and refuse to budge, troubles eventually go. And when they go, when the pressure lets up, you are there remaining as the victor. In fact, that really is the story of the church in Smyrna. He who endures to the end always wins. And that is what I'm going to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to the program. I've been waiting for you. And as I told you in today's introduction, today we're going to be dealing with Christ's message to Smyrna. The church in Smyrna was a church that was suffering. They were being persecuted for their faith. I grew up in the United States. And because I grew up in the United States, we had religious freedom. Well, having religious freedom meant I didn't know anybody that had really been persecuted for their faith. I didn't know anyone in prison for their faith. I didn't know anyone who had lost their job for their faith. I really didn't know anyone suffering because of faith. We were America. We had freedom of religion, freedom of expression, and we really didn't have suffering for faith. I had never met a person who had been persecuted. And I remember as a young Baptist boy praying for the church in China, praying for them because they were the underground persecuted church. Later in life, I began to pray for the church in the Soviet Union while the church in the Soviet Union was experiencing such persecution. But for me, all of that was in the realm of the imagination because I had never encountered it. I'd never met anyone persecuted. And then God called me and my family to the Soviet Union in 1991. And when we moved to the Soviet Union, I came face to face with real living people who had suffered for their faith. They didn't have a lot materially, but spiritually, they were rich. 
my goodness, I found a new kind of spiritual richness that had nothing to do with luxury. It had nothing to do with money or material possessions. It was a whole realm of spiritual richness that I had never seen in my life. And today I'm going to talk to you about real spiritual riches. What are real riches? It's going to be good. But I want to remind you that if you need prayer, we're here for you. We would love to pray for you, especially if you're going through a tough time and you need somebody to pray with you. We're here. We understand what it means to go through a tough time. We've taken many stands of faith that have brought opposition. If you need somebody to agree with you, call us, contact us. We are ready to pray right now. And I want to remind you that I'm offering you my series called Christ's Message to Smyrna. It's a five-part series based on these programs. And in these programs, I deal with the issues of suffering, how to respond to suffering, Christ's promise to those who suffer. It's a subject that a lot of people don't want to touch because they don't know how to handle it. But I have lived among suffering people, and it's given me really a wonderful view on this subject. It's powerful. This will be good for your personal life or to share with a friend. Or if you're in a Bible study group, usually in a Bible study group, there are people going through rough times. This will really encourage them in their faith. We're also offering you my book, which is called A Light in Darkness, Seven Messages to the Seven Churches. It's more than 800 pages, so it's not likely you're going to sit down and read it all at once but you're not supposed to. It is a resource. It's a book that you use over and over and over. It's like an encyclopedia or a dictionary. It is just loaded with revelation, information, insights, historical facts, and it's full color. Every single page is full color. It is just amazing. In fact, I'm amazed that I wrote this book and I use it myself. When you write a book of this size, you really can't remember everything you wrote. So even I use this book as a resource, and that's why I can tell you it's going to be a blessing to you. It's even a blessing to me. And in this book, I deal with the seven churches in Asia, including Smyrna, which is what we're dealing with in today's program. So today we're going to return to Revelation chapter 2 and very quickly review verse 8. And Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, Jesus is speaking to the church in Smyrna, but he begins by addressing the angel of the church. Let's look at it. Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, Under the angel of the church in Smyrna write. And as I told you in the last program, this word angel, the Greek word angelos, really describes a specially designated messenger. This was not a heaven-sent angel like a real supernatural being. But in this particular case, the word angelos describes a specially appointed messenger. It was the pastor of the church. And I think it's kind of fun that the King James translators translated as the word angel because I think pastors are angels. They're sent from God. They bear a message from God and they're a blessing to you. You ought to tell your pastor he's a real angel in your life. But in this verse, we find that God never bypasses spiritual authority. Christ had something to say to the church, but he didn't bypass the pastor. He spoke it to the pastor first. God always speaks to the pastor first in a local church. And that's what we now find in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 8. Under the angel, or now we understand under the pastor of the church in Smyrna, right. And of course, the pastor's job was to process the message and then deliver it to the congregation. Right. These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. 
and we saw in the last program, was dead really means was temporarily dead. This is how Christ describes his death. It was nothing but a pause in my eternal existence. I was dead briefly. It was just an interruption. No big deal. Just a brief interruption in my eternal existence. But now I'm alive. This was very important for the people in Smyrna because these believers were even dying for their faith. They were dying for their faith. And of course, when you're dying for your faith, you think about eternity. And Jesus is saying to them, friends, death is nothing but a brief interruption. Beyond death, there is resurrection. There is life beyond death. This was such an encouraging word for this church that was suffering, some of them even being killed. Then in verse 9, Jesus says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. Very quickly, I want to review the first part of this verse, then we're going to move into what are real spiritual riches. In the first of this verse, Christ says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. We saw in the last program, the word know is the Greek word oida. When Christ says, I know, the Greek says oida. This word oida does not describe secondhand information, but rather it is total perception, comprehension, understanding attained by personal experience or by personal observation. Such an important word. And when the church in Smyrna saw this word, oida, they knew what it meant. Jesus didn't know things about them because it had been related to him by prayer from other people or because an angel had told him. But Jesus used the word oida, which means I've seen it with my own eyes. Jesus had been there. He had visited the church. He had walked in the middle of the church. And now what Jesus is about to describe is what he personally has seen. This is what he has witnessed himself. He has observed all of this about them. And that must have been encouraging because it meant they were not abandoned. Jesus knew everything about them. And that's why the verse goes on to say, I know thy works. The word works, the Greek word erges, which describes deeds, works, or activities. A better translation would be, I know everything about you. There's nothing about you that I do not know. I know about all of your activities, all the events that are taking place among you. I know it all. I've seen it all. I've been there. There's nothing about you that I do not know. And that's also true of you. Jesus knows everything about you. Even the things you don't tell him about, he knows about you because you are his. And then Jesus begins to describe specifically what he has seen and observed about them. He says, I know thy works and tribulation. We saw in the last program that the Greek says the tribulation of you. It's very emphatic. It's the equivalent of saying, I know about your unique tribulation, the tribulation of you that makes you different from all of the other churches. It's a specific kind of tribulation. Nobody else is going through this. It's the tribulation of you. And that word tribulation, as we saw, is the Greek word philipsis, a word that is used all over the New Testament, particularly in Paul's epistles and John's epistles. This word philipsis describes any situation that is crushing or debilitating, anything that is acute, awful, critical, dire, dreadful, grave, grim, humiliating, or overpowering. It describes something crushing, suffocating, that is the word which now Jesus uses to describe what he has seen about the church in Smyrna. He says, I know about the tribulation of you. Wow. The tribulation of you, what you're going through. 
Your tribulation is different than what any of the other churches are experiencing. Yours is grave. It's grim. It's acute. It's crushing. It's debilitating. You nearly feel suffocated by what you are experiencing. Jesus understood exactly what they were going through, and he, now he describes it very well. And then he amplifies the word tribulation by saying, and thy poverty. The Greek says, and the poverty of you. It also means poverty that is unique to you. Other churches may be poor. There may be poor people in other places, but they don't have this kind of poverty. You have a unique poverty. It is the poverty of you. And this particular word for poverty is the Greek word ptokeia. Now listen to what it means. It describes abject poverty. So they weren't just poor. They had abject poverty total impoverishment, an appalling and horrifying level of poverty, one so destitute that he is deprived of the most basic essentials of life. It pictures one who may have to scrounge for food or those that are down and out, financially ruined and poverty stricken. They're not just poor. They are totally impoverished. This is not just a lack this is total deprivation. Now, very quickly, I covered the reasons for their poverty in the last program, and today I want to cover it a little bit more fully. In the ancient world, and in Asia particularly, in Smyrna and Thyatira, there were trade guilds, trade guilds of every kind. You say, well, what's a trade guild? A trade guild was like a worker's union, and there were all kinds of trade guilds. I'm going to read directly from my notes. There were trade guilds for painters, dyers, weavers, tanners, teachers, doctors, bronze workers, goldsmiths, silversmiths, idol makers. There were even trade guilds for slaves, workers' unions for slaves. Even slaves were a member of a local trade guild. And in some cities like Smyrna, these guilds were so powerful that they determined prices for services and goods and regulated everything about their trades in their respective cities. And basically, if you were not a member of a trade guild, you couldn't work. The trade guild operated on a buddy system. If a new job became available, the trade guild members would make sure it went to a member of the guild. If you were not a member of the guild, then you were not going to get a job. And this presented a serious problem for Christians in Smyrna because Christians in Smyrna revoked their membership in the trade guilds. Why in the world did they do that? Was that a smart thing to do? Well, it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. Sometimes the right thing to do is hard, but for them, this was the right thing to do. Why? Because trade guilds were not a place for Christians to be. Every trade guild meeting began with a worship of each guild's pagan god. It was horrible what they did. It began with idolatry. Then drunkenness. And usually in guild meetings, there were sex sexual debaucheries. There were orgies. All kinds of horrible things that Christians had been delivered from. And they knew that now that they had surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, they could no longer participate in trade guild meetings. So two things happened. Number one, they revoked their membership because they just could not participate. Or number two, the guild revoked their membership because they refused to attend. And because Christians took a stand for Christ, 
they lost their jobs. They lost their jobs. And they didn't just lose their jobs, they couldn't get another job because every job in the city operated on the trade guild system, which was a buddy system, which meant the jobs only went to other people who were members of the guild. Well, if you were not a member of the guild, then guess what? You did not have the ability to get a job, which meant you had no ability to earn an income. And especially in Smyrna, Christians were suffering because they had revoked their membership in the trade guilds because Christ had called them to holiness and to a sanctified life, and they knew they could no longer go to those places and do those things. Sometimes when you make a decision for Christ, it puts you at odds with the world. It may put you at odds with your family. When you stand for Christ, it may put you at odds with co-workers who don't understand you. But standing for Christ is the right thing to do. We are never supposed to compromise. And these believers did the hard thing, but it was the right thing. But because they did what was right, they were experiencing poverty, abject poverty. But here's the amazing thing. When you suffer poverty or loss because you do the right thing, Christ compensates us in other ways. He always compensates us. And these believers were compensated in fact, they were so compensated that in the verse, Jesus says, I know thy works, I know your tribulation and your poverty. And then Jesus adds these words, but thou art rich. Wow, this seems like such a contradiction because the word poverty, the Greek word tokeo, describes abject poverty, total impoverishment, scrounging around looking for food, total impoverishment, total deprivation on one side. And yet then Jesus says, but in fact, you are rich. This word rich is the Greek word plusias. Wow. The word plusias is a famous Greek word which describes wealth so great it cannot be tabulated. Abundant wealth, vast wealth, extreme riches, incredible abundance, opulence, extravagant lavishness, and this word, plusius, is the very word used by Plato to describe the wealth of the legendary king Midas. No one was richer than Midas. And now that is the word which Jesus uses to describe the church in Smyrna. Financially, they didn't have anything. But spiritually, nobody was richer than them. Spiritually, they were opulent. They had extreme, vast spiritual riches. That's what Jesus said. It's amazing. Which means true riches are not always measured in money. There are other kinds of riches. That's what I found when I moved to the Soviet Union. Totally changed my understanding about spiritual riches. According to Revelation 2.9, the church was financially impoverished. But according to Revelation 2 verse 9, the church was also spiritually rich. Just amazing. These believers had been deprived in terms of worldly goods, but they were rich in other ways. Now, let me read to you directly from my notes. They had forfeited their creature comforts. They had forfeited all legal protection. But it caused them to lean on other believers. Wow. This brought about a rich, meaningful level of fellowship that is less prevalent in countries where believers' rights are protected and the need for close-knit relationships 
isn't felt as intensely. Christ's love permeated the members of this church who were in fellowship with each other, and words can't begin to describe the tenderness of the Holy Spirit that was present when the O's early believers gathered in illegal underground meetings to worship Jesus, clinging to each other, loving each other, experiencing a richness, a richness of fellowship and covenant and love among them. This is what I encountered when I first moved to the Soviet Union in 1991. As I told you in the last program, I had never met a persecuted believer until I moved to the Soviet Union. But when I came to the Soviet Union, I found the believers didn't have much materially. Many of them had been denied education. They had been denied jobs simply because they were believers. But wow, their fellowship was so rich. They had clung to each other loved each other, walked in covenant with each other. They had to depend on each other because they could not depend on the police or attorneys or the law. All of that was against them. And so they clung to each other. And in the midst of that environment, a spiritual richness developed. And when I came into this environment and was introduced to these believers, I found a depth of commitment that was beyond anything I'd ever experienced. I'd always been around good Christian people, but I'd never seen anything like this. I always think of Romans 16, verse 16, where the Apostle Paul says something very strange to the Western mind. He says, greet each other with a holy kiss. Why in the world would you greet each other with a holy kiss? Was that normal? Was that a tradition? Was that a custom? No, it was not. But those early believers... Every time they left church, never knew if they would see each other again. The person they're sitting next to could be killed before the next meeting. And when they left each other, they didn't know if they would see that person again. They gave them a kiss. When they came to the next person and that person showed up, there was such joy. They embraced each other. They kissed each other. Holy kisses in this particular context describes the euphoria. You're still alive. You're still here. They clung to each other. They loved each other. They had spiritual riches on a level of fellowship. They had lost a lot materially. They didn't have anything financially. But when it came to covenant and when it came to community in the church, Jesus says, you are rich. The Greek word plusius. In this regard, wow, nobody is richer than you. You see, there's all kinds of riches. All riches are not measured by money. There's a whole different level of spiritual wealth that God has waiting for us. But I'm out of time. When I come back in the next program, this is where we're going to pick up. But I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. The Bible comes to life like never before with Rick Renner's book, A Light in Darkness. Step into the world of the New Testament as Rick Renner transports you to the ancient cities of the early church, revealing the relevance of Jesus' messages to the church then and why those messages still resonate for his church today. On every page of this comprehensive commentary, Rick reveals insight into the ancient world and the disturbing realities the early believers faced as the church began to flourish in a pagan world. With unsurpassed detail, fascinating insights, and historical context, you'll have a greater appreciation and understanding of Scripture and how you should interpret it for today. This beautifully bound, 800-page, full-color biblical resource can be yours for $80. 
features on-location photography with added artwork and illustrations to enhance the in-depth scriptural teaching that makes the New Testament come alive. When you call or go online today, you can also get the five-part teaching series, Christ's Message to the Church in Smyrna. As one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, the church in Smyrna suffered great persecution, but Jesus encouraged them to overcome. Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $10, Rick explores this essential message of how to overcome suffering and persecution and learn to trust in God's final plan. Don't miss this special offer, a light in darkness, and Christ's message to the church in Smyrna. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Hey friends, Denise and I are coming to an area near you very soon. On Sunday, July 31st, we're coming to Covenant Church to be with Jesse and Kathy Duplantis at Destrehan, Louisiana. On Sunday, August the 7th, we're coming to Victory Church to be with Pastor Jeanette Furry in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. On Sunday, August 14th, we're going to be at Radiant Church with Pastor Lee Cummings in Richland, Michigan. On Sunday, August 21st, we're going to be at Liberty Church in Fairfield, California with Pastor Richard West. On Thursday, August 25th, we're coming to River of Life Fellowship in Seaside, Oregon to be with Pastors Tolbert and Mary Jo Lovelady. On Sunday, August 28th, we're coming to Spokane Christian Center in Spokane, Washington with Pastor Rick Sharkey. On Sunday, September 4th, we're coming to Faith Family Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota to be with Pastors Michael and Vicki Bang. And on Sunday, September the 11th, we're coming to Madison, Alabama to Cornerstone Word of Life to be with Pastor Mark Garver. Please check our website for the most recent updates and information about these wonderful meetings. You know, in today's program, I'm not endorsing suffering or financial lack. That is not the will of God for your life. But if you are going through a hard time, I want you to know that your success is not entirely measured by dollars or by what kind of job you have. There are other kinds of riches, real spiritual riches that can't be measured in dollars and cents. And God has a whole wealth of spiritual riches waiting for you. And that's what I'm going to do with the next program. Don't miss it. It's really going to be good. But I want to remind you, I'm offering you my series called Christ's Message to Smyrna. In this series, I deal with the issue of hardships, trouble, suffering, persecution. How are we supposed to respond to it? What does Christ really know about what we're going through? He will really encourage you or someone else. Order it today. We're also offering you my book called A Light in Darkness. Look at the size of this book. It is such a resource. You will use this book over and over and over. It's like an encyclopedia of New Testament times. You'll go to this book to look up persecution. Where did early Christian believers meet? How did they deal with the government when the government was difficult? Well, the book is just loaded. It will just mean so much to you. I know that. I wrote it, but I use it myself. So order your copy today. But let me pray for you. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you know everything about us. There's nothing that escapes your attention. And we thank you, Father, that when we lose something in the natural realm, you compensate us in the spiritual realm. And I declare by faith that you will compensate every person listening to me today who has lost something financially or materially. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with me.
Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. It's one of my favorite verses. It says, where the word of a king is, there's power. Let God's word release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity. 